0: the Ragged Scratch podcast, the new writing night in podcast form. I'm your host, Natalie, and this week we explore the supernatural and science fiction in two new writing audio plays. Later in the show, a psychiatrist's visit to a murderous inmate gets tense in Jude Reed's A Silver Bow New Bent, and I speak to Jude about the influences behind her story. But first, a disciplinary meeting is called to investigate Brandon's unusual weekend activity, in Richard Hearns' A Quarter of a Million Heartbeats. Directed by Nadav, with editing and sound design from Howard Sindon, A Quarter of a Million Heartbeats stars Stephen Spencer as Brandon and Susie Valerio as Josie. There are no content warnings for the play, but the ensuing interview contains one instance of swearing.
1: Where's that Zoom link? OK. Host to let you in soon... Hi, Josie. Long time. Too long. These are strange times.
2: Hello, Brandon. Yes, they are.
1: We don't really. I mean, I haven't seen you since ages. Look at you, team leader. Fantastic. I never congratulated you on the promotion. Congratulations. You at head office now?
2: Thanks. Um, they, I, um, they allow me to work from home three days, of course, at the moment, like everyone, like, like you. How are you keeping? You still with, what was his name?
1: Such a pleasant guy.
2: Peter. Um, no, no, I'm not. But yes, yes, he was. Still is, I imagine. Listen, Brandon, let's, uh... oh, this is difficult. I know.
1: It's my first too. Disciplinary. That's
2: what this is, isn't it? Well, more of a meeting, Brandon. It's just, management are worried. We've had reports from the branch. They, erm, we are bothered? There's stuff you're doing that might affect your work?
1: Might affect my work? Has it affected my work? This stuff? I think my work at our call centre has been heroically consistent. I think I have a higher percentage uptake than anyone else.
2: Uh, well, yes, your figures are still good. And I do know this isn't where you want to be. I'm sure you want to be using your master's in... Uh, what was it again?
1: Electro-engineering and quantum physics.
2: Yeah, that. Just, that's... It's been noted a kind of Friday-Monday thing. Those are your two nominated days in the office.
1: I drew the short straw. Everyone's on a rotor, working from home, to do the whole two-metre thing, I get the shortest. The normal weekend.
2: But you seem to be making the most of your weekend. In fact, people are saying it's not that normal. People say, and I'm reading from a statement here, Brandon is not the same person.
1: Isn't everyone a different person on a Friday to a Monday?
2: One weekend you completed an online GCSE in Swedish. You brought in the certificate. Riktig? I'm sorry?
1: It means correct. I seem to... Have the knack.
2: Uh, m- maybe, but, but this one? On a Friday you joked about having no interest in sport, but by Monday you had an encyclopedic knowledge. I quote every freaking ball bowled in county cricket since 1890.
1: You know when you get into something.
2: Not really. One weekend you put on an estimated two stone, although admittedly you somehow lost three stone the following weekend. To prove a point. Last weekend you grew a beard, which someone described as two years worth. That is not to hipster, in 48 hours.
1: Correction, 63 hours. For a weekend. But let's come back to that. I don't understand why this means I'm in a disciplinary. Sorry, meeting. The weekend's the weekend. My time.
2: Anything wrong with my work? All this mystery, all this stuff, all all this activity over the weekend. It surely impinges. Impinges? This is difficult for me too, Brandon. They need me to ask these questions. Do you have any answers? Or your own questions? What happened with Pete? Is that really your question?
1: I'm just... interested. So, yeah, let's make that my question. I'll tell you what, answer my question and I'll answer your questions.
2: OK, um... We had a misunderstanding, a stupid thing, a mistake. And I wish I hadn't and and that's it. I I can't undo it. Some mistakes you can't undo. You can? I can't. I know what I'm like. I'll say the wrong thing, I'll, I'll make mistakes, I'll make it worse. It feels too in the balance.
1: Fair enough. My go, my weekends, where do I start? You're right. These things did happen. You remembered because you mentioned my masters. Electrical? Engineering and quantum physics. Everyone's had a hobby in lockdown. I went back to my old course notes, dabbled. I've sort of made a breakthrough. Not sort of, have. I've created this contraption like a holster. It goes over the shoulder, under the arm. It has leads, some circuitry, attaches next to the heart You're looking bored. You know when you get to the end of the weekend and you wish it was Friday night? I've solved it.
2: No, I still don't get it.
1: The holster. The contraption. It's a time machine. A weekend time machine. It's based on heartbeats. Imagine, every heartbeat you have is a save point. Like a video game? Well, this allows you to backtrack.
2: Backtrack? I'm sorry, Brandon, this is a little bit tricky, and we are short on time.
1: Don't worry. On time, we are definitely fine. The details are quite complicated, but just think about heartbeat. It works on the concept of rewinding. Guess how many heartbeats you have in one day? 115,000, approximately. Sunday night, reversed back to Friday night, is 250,000. A quarter of a million heartbeats in a weekend. That's as far as this thing can go back. In time.
2: I'm I'm sorry. Are you telling me, let me see my notes, that the reason you seem to lead such an active life on the weekends is because you have invented a time machine?
1: Do you know what? It is such a relief that you get it. I was thinking it was going to be quite tricky to explain.
2: (laughs) Really? Really? A weekend time machine. You think that's an option on my form? Use
1: any other comments. Type time machine in there. Mention the heartbeat. you not typing anything.
2: Uh, I just need to be 100% and I am not quite there currently.
1: You get to Sunday night. That's the peak. The end of the half pipe, like in skateboarding. You take it back. Friday night. Then you get to live it all again till Sunday. Then back. Do you see? The weekend, but more so.
2: Well, I'm wondering whether my senior might not take me seriously. Do you know, I saw Brandon about the concerns. Don't worry. It's just he's invented a time machine which allows him to stay within a weekend endlessly.
1: Nice. Accurate. You're right, though. Sounds... On the edge of unlikely.
2: On the edge? It sounds direct in the centre of unlikely. Look, Brandon, I'm on your side, but you've got to give me something.
1: It is true, you know. You've read the statements yourself. What else explains the gaining of weight, the losing of the weight, the beard, Swedish, the knowledge of cricket? You get the chance to do new stuff. Change old stuff. Does
2: that include words? Words? Words. Conversations, you know, like sentences. Hey, look, I could have said that better. But I suppose that's the point. If I'm understanding this, you get more than one chance. You can say stuff differently. You can say it better with your thing.
1: Let's call it that. Thing. Time machine sounds a bit pompous. But yes, you get the chance to reverse. You don't just get the chance to do more. You get to delete, redraft your weekend, erase the mistakes, until it goes your way.
2: OK. I'll tell you what, Brandon. I'll do you a deal. I'll delete what I've written and instead I'll put down Brandon leads an active weekend which allows himself to be refreshed mentally for the working week. He's now aware of his limits and will ensure his work performance doesn't suffer. Discipline, I mean meeting, over. That is what you're really telling me, isn't it? Of
1: course. That's what really happened. And the deal?
2: You asked about Pete. Your fella? Ex-fella. But I might just accidentally run into him this weekend.
1: And the deal is?
2: You hand over your thing, the time machine. When I see Pete, I'll have a chance. No, I'll have more than that. As many chances as I need to make things right. Deal? Brandon?
1: Sure. Deal.
2: Oh, thanks, Brandon.
1: Bye, Josie. Thanks, Brandon. I don't think so. Pete. 10 minutes. 600 heartbeats. Hi, Josie. Long time. Too long. These are strange times.
2: Hello, Brandon.
3: I'm Richard Hearn. He.
0: Hello, Richard. Welcome back to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Thank you. You're one of our returning writers this season. Your piece, Channel, was featured in season one. Could you let us know what, what have you been up to since then? Because it was it's over a year ago now. Well,
3: it's obviously been a, a bit of a, a mad year for everyone. My day job is in nursing and care recruitment, so it's been quite a hectic one, I would say. Uh, I can imagine. but I think in terms of sort of writing i've um I've, yeah I think I've been quite productive it's um it's been strange, obviously adapting to all the different environments and media, but I've quite enjoyed that really. I've had a few plays done in terms of sort of zoom rehearsed readings, uh, particularly. Mm-hmm. There's a company called Caravan Productions who've done three or four pieces of mine, which has been really helpful and really good. So that's been good to be part of. Um, I realised when I was thinking about the interview from last year, and I, I think I'd mentioned that I was writing a long play, which was mm. um, set in, in World War and involved a bit of time travel mm. in that one. And I'm still writing the bloody thing.
0: I was actually going to ask about that, how that was going as well. So, uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned that that had time travel in it as well that was going to be one of my next points so quarter of a million heartbeats is very different to channel which was the the previous piece that we had on in season one so it's a duologue rather than a monologue it's comedy as opposed to a thriller but they both feel very grounded and real but they also explore fantastical concepts as does clearly this longer piece you're writing with the time travel element and you clearly write across genres and styles as well so is there a, a core cool concept theme or idea that you'd like to
3: explore in your writing I mean, I think I obviously drift back to things that um, whether it, for a good reason or a bad reason, I drift back to certain themes. So there is there is a bit of time related stuff. But normally it's just about the story, I suppose. I always do like things where you don't really know the genre to start with. So I think, you know, when you start off and you're thinking, is this a, um, you know, set very much in the present day, very much a gra- what you said about a grounded world. And it turns out to be, I don't know, a ghost story or a comedy or this quarter of a million heartbeats. I think of my phrase when I was writing, it was low budget sci-fi. And I think <laughs>
4: um, in
3: terms of the budget, it's about as low budget as you can get in terms of two people talking on Zoom. So um, mm-hmm. it's just the story really, but I do like the mixture of genres. It's just a, sometimes a bit of a difficult sell. If you're trying to sort of say in advance what it something is, then you're giving maybe too much away by saying it's a ghost story or a, or a comedy or whatever. Yeah.
0: Mm. I wanted to talk about uh, the time travel aspect as well, more specifically the time freezing rather than time travel, I suppose. Yeah. Because this ability to pause time, it's got to be up there as one of the greatest superpowers that you could have, right? There's a a myriad of stories that explore this kind of what-if scenario, and I wish I could think of more elegant and adult examples than Bernard's Watch and Hermione from Harry Potter with her time turner off the top of my head. But anyway, um, were there any particular iterations of this kind of time freezing uh, trope that inspired you to write this?
3: Well, I think, I mean, I like things like, I suppose it's, it's the time freezing and the time alternatives, I suppose. Is, they're probably obvious examples, but like, it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. where someone gets shown an alternative thing, that sort of, and obviously more recently things like sliding doors. And I haven't seen it for ages, but my memory talking about the freezing, and my memory is is I really enjoyed Matter of Life and Death, which um, uh, which is set in you know World War II, where and my memory of it is, there, is for instance they freeze time where they're playing ping pong, and I think there's a um, a fighter pilot who's played by David Niven who's crashing to the ground and being talked through. I'm sure they freeze time in that in that one. And I think that's, you know, it's a really great film I haven't seen for quite some time, but that was one. I did go and see, the obvious one, thinking about time travel is is sort of back to the future. Mm -hmm. I went to go and see it at the cinema, the second film, having not seen the first film. And I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. (laughs) Really, really confused. So, but I mean, I I like all those. I like also films like um, Pulp Fiction where things are just told in a different order. And the way they sort of match up and you suddenly get to the end of one bit, which is the beginning of something that you've previously seen. I I sort of always enjoy that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Another book I think I really think is great about time and kind of having options of time is is Life After Life by Kate Atkinson, which is a fantastic book.
0: Mm. Well, obviously, I have to ask before we round this up, if you could pause time yourself what would you do with that time? Is there a specific skill you'd master?
3: Do you know what? I think even if I had all the time in the world, there are some things I'm never going to be able to master. But I think the sentimental answer to that, I suppose, is seeing my sons who both have been learning different musical instruments sort of in recently. And it's a skill that I absolutely haven't got. <laughs> I would love to have. And every five years I try and play, you know, Mum, I Just Killed a Man on the piano. And uh, I would love to be able to do that.
0: fair enough well thank you so much richard Uh, have you got anything else coming up
3: so i've also got the play set in the world war that i was been talking about that also involves time travel that's called margaret make peace and the quantum twist and that's going to be featured in a scratch night organized by unmasked theater which is going to be at the rialto in brighton and we think that's going to be live streamed Mm -hmm. so that's that's very exciting very pleased to be part of that and just before lockdown, I heard a, a sort of play of mine is being filmed by a company called White Cobra Theatre, mm-hmm. and it's a short play. There, they they did one day of filming, and then lockdown two happened. So, um, <laughs> which is all obviously, I'll be quite excited by uh, seeing that if that if that comes off.
0: Yeah, well, fingers crossed. And for those who haven't listened to your previous interview, can you remind us of where we can find you online?
3: Um, I think basically, probably mainly Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at latest dad, and I also um, and because I run a website called Paragraph Planet, I'm also at Paragraph Planet. Do you want
0: to give a, a very quick, like thirty second pitch as to what Paragraph Planet is, if people don't know and would like to get involved? Paragraph
3: Planet is uh, asking for seventy five word stories exactly, and has been publishing one of those on the homepage every day since October two thousand and eight. Wow. So on a quick mass calculation, that is um, a lot of stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Well done. That's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Natalie.
0: And thank you to Richard, Nadav, Howard, Stephen, and Susie for their work on A Quarter of a Million Heartbeats. Our shout-outs are short and sweet this week. Kate Nyland, starring in our next play, has self-produced a short comedy animation, Date an Invertebrate, which shows off her brilliant range as a voice actor. You can catch it on her website or on YouTube. A final reminder about Uncanny Collective's Warnings to the Curious online festival of Christmas ghost stories airing this week. It opened last night and performances are running evenings until Sunday. Keep an eye out for ragged scratch actor Sarah Lynham in When the Walls Speak by Corey McMillan and The Shadows on the Wall by Mary E. Wilkins Freeman, Saturday the 19th of December, starting at 5pm. And finally, for those missing out on seeing live festive theatre shows this December, The Guardian has put together a list of streamed, live or pre-recorded pantomimes, Christmas plays and family theatre you can watch online. Take a break from Netflix or indeed podcasts, and support the u k theatre industry from the cozy safety of your own home. One such theatre very close to my heart is Shakespeare's Globe, and they have a selection of works available to watch year round and they've added for the festive season Sandy Toxbig's Christmas at the Snow Globe from last year. It's well worth a watch, so please go check it out and as ever, links to everything I've just talked about are in the show notes next. Under a full moon, a psychiatrist arrives at the state hospital to assess a violent inpatient. It's not unusual for a murderer to claim that a higher power made them do it, but what's worrying is that this time it might be true. Jude Reed's A Silver Bone New Bent was directed by Annabelle Baldwin, edit and sound design by Anna Rodriguez, and features Anthony Hewson as James, Kate Nyland as Cynthia, and Nicholas Halliwell as the security guard. A Silver Bow New Bent contains one incident of mild but gendered swearing.
5: I know, Becky. I I I get that you're upset. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take too long. It's just a quick assessment for the court and, and we can talk when I get home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that. <laughs> I don't have time right now because, Becky, I'm, sta- I'm standing here. If, if you listen for a minute, Becky, Becky, bitch. It's a fucking rape. Can I help you? Yeah. Know? Hi, yeah, hi. I'm Dr. Ferguson. I'm here to see a patient. Rainy tonight, Doc. You're on the late shift. Doing a favour for a colleague. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. Sign in there, please. Sure. Keys. Phone, pen, anything sharp in the tray. Thanks. You busy? Full moon. You know what that's like. <laughs> Who are you here to see? Cynthia Bader. Oh, nasty business, that. Through the security door, last room on the left. I've got you on CCTV. You need anything, just shout. Okay. Got it. Thanks. Good evening. My name's Dr. Fergus. I'm
4: not Hello. mad. I bet you hear that a lot, right? But I'm not. I'm being rude. I'd introduce myself, but you know all that already, don't you? Who I am. What I did. What you want to know is why.
5: My job's to write the report I know
4: what for your job court. is. I've been on your side of the glass often enough. You're here to work out whether I'm mad or bad or somewhere between the two then the courts get to decide where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. It doesn't matter.
5: It it doesn't matter?
4: No. Because everything's about to change.
5: Okay, so... I've read the police report. You didn't think you were in control of your actions when it happened. Do you still think that's true?
4: Yes. I don't know. Maybe she was in me all along. Who was? I killed him, Oscar Ryan. You know that, don't you?
5: Yes, I know that. Can you tell me why you did it?
4: Because he was guilty.
5: But that wasn't the verdict. Aren't prosecution lawyers supposed to work within the law?
4: (laughs) The law! I knew that case inside out. I knew what he did to her before she died. How he killed her, what he did to her body afterwards. I read it all hundreds of times until it started to feel like it was me he'd done it to. And I was gonna get justice. For her, for every other woman who's been raped and beaten and murdered. He was going to jail for the rest of his life and it was me who was gonna put him there.
5: So, what happened?
4: The police screwed it up. Some moron forgot to file his paperwork, so one crucial piece of evidence wasn't admissible. And suddenly the defense was saying that if that was in doubt, then the jury couldn't trust anything else. (laughs) And then, when he was leaving court like he had a right to be alive after what he did, he looked straight at me and smiled. He got away with it and I knew, I just knew, he was going to do it again.
5: So you killed him?
4: I used to be really good, you know. I stopped training when I had the kids, but uh, I always thought I'd pick it up again, so I never got rid of the kit. I went home and got it, then I waited outside his house, and when he got home, I shot him. Three arrows, close grouping. (laughs) Not easy to get them all in one eye socket. Not after he started flailing around. Even I was surprised.
5: And then you waited for the police to arrest you?
4: It didn't occur to me to do anything else.
5: And how did it make you feel?
4: Good. I felt good. No, that's that's not it. I felt righteous. Like I'd been given a difficult task to do and I'd done it well.
5: And And had someone given you the task?
4: It won't be the last, you know.
5: The last what?
4: The last death. It's a shame it has to be this way, but it's clear that as a species, we've run out of other options. Sometimes you need to clear the dead wood so the forest can grow. She's waking up.
5: <sighs> who's... who's waking up?
4: The ancient Greeks knew her, so did the Romans. Go back far enough in time, and more or less every civilization worshipped her in some form or another. Back then, men knew that their actions had consequences, that if they sinned, there would be divine retribution.
5: And, and that's what you did? Divine retribution?
4: Everything's gonna change. It's like a birth. Long and difficult and, and bloody. And not everyone's gonna survive it. But when it's done, when she's done, our daughters will live in a better world. Can you hear them? H- hear what? The hounds. Actian's hounds.
5: No. No.
4: You will. Soon enough. I'm finished in here.
5: Can you unlock the door, please?
4: Good luck, Doctor.
3: Got everything you need, did you, Doc? Uh, yeah.
5: Yeah, thanks. Um, I'll... I'll get, I'll get the report in on Monday, okay? Moon's bright tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Becky, Becky, look, I'm sorry. I lost my temper and I shouldn't have hit you, and I'm Hi, aware that we- Hi, you James and Becky Ferguson. Please like to leave a message off the tone one of us will
6: I'm Jude Reed and my pronouns are she, her. Hello, Jude. Welcome back to the Ragged Scratch Podcast. It's lovely to be here.
0: It's great to have you back again. You're one of our returning writers. So you had a piece in season two in Rich Earth, and that was recorded at the start of this year. Very different world.
6: What have you been up to since then? Well, my day job, I'm a doctor, so it's been a really weird year. Yeah, I can imagine. It's been all right in a way. It's just been adjusting to a new way of doing things. So that's been quite busy, but I've managed to keep writing in my free time when I had it which has been good mm-hmm. mostly short stories still the the great plan to write a novel has not yet come to fruition but that's generally because I've been writing other stuff which has all gone fine. That just means you can release a, a collection of short stories stuff. Yes yes wow. absolutely so mostly short fiction and scripts this year although nice. our our podcast and um, tales from the Alethian society sadly has stalled due to failure of being able to record together so we've been generating ideas and writing stuff for when we can all get together and mm. record again
0: well fingers crossed you're able to get the Alethian society going again i have been enjoying it it's very fun hopefully soon
6: and we have learned a lot about remote recording this year so you never know mm. even if we can't get together we might be able to to do some yeah. more stuff
0: maybe maybe like a special or something like a one-off type yeah. thing right let's uh, we're here to talk about silver bow new bent let's talk about that the title is taken from a line of hippolytus in shakespeare's midsummer night's dream it's and then the moon like to a silver bow new bent in heaven shall behold the night of our solemnities talking about her marriage to theseus so that all nicely links into the the greek queen of the amazons and the connotations of the new world order brought in by the new moon that you hint at in the play itself could you expand on why you chose this title and the connections to
6: the greek mythos in the play for those who might not be familiar well i chose the title in the way that i usually choose a title which is if i haven't got a title by the time i've finished writing it i google uh quotes with in it Uh, and i found that one i just really liked it and um obviously it was very thematically appropriate as you've said to the play because cynthia has been a competitive archer and obviously because of the the greek mythology coming through again so it just it it was serendipity it just fitted very nicely Uh, I liked it yeah fair enough
0: sometimes I liked it and it works is the right answer yes, nothing, right? Nothing <laughs> you don't need to go any deeper <laughs> than that that's cool so both of the characters the main characters in this piece work in the justice sector mm-hmm. Is this an area that you're particularly familiar with or did you do any specific research into laws and the criminal justice system?
6: Yes, I did. My mother is a retired psychiatrist. And while mm. forensic psychiatry wasn't her main area of interest when we were growing up, she did quite a lot of it and obviously didn't talk very much about um, her work at the time. But I did um, I did sit down with her when I was writing this and asked for um, if she could tell me about some of her experiences and got that kind of first-hand input on what it would have been like working as a psychiatrist mm. going to the secure unit, so it was very very useful first-hand research. And then I did a little bit of research in the background about well the, the more legal aspects of it. Mm. But most most of it, I think hinged around that that relationship between the psychiatrist and, and yeah.
0: There's lots of elements at play in this piece. You've got the down-to-earth and the gritty themes of the, the justice system there, and also vigilantism, responsibility, revenge, violence against women. And then you've also got this, this looming threat of divine retribution and that supernatural aspect that's hinted at, but not specifically shown yet, it's
6: implied. Was there a specific story or a case that inspired you? Yes. When I was writing this, it's a horrible Case in the media of a man who'd murdered his pregnant wife and then murdered his children,
1: Gosh.
6: and as I read it, I, I just found myself thinking that in a in a just world there would be divine retribution for this, and mm-hmm. then I started thinking about what form that divine retribution would take, and then of course the Greek mythology started coming to mind, and then it just sort of spiraled from there. What would it be like if Artemis finally decided that enough was enough and came back to sort things out? What agents would she use? How would she do it? And how would the old themes of divine justice be enacted in the modern world? Mm-hmm. I think there's a stereotype that thankfully is waning, but there's
0: still this idea of it's a bit pervasive of of women being smiley and polite and compliant and supportive and, and all of these nurturing aspects that people are still surprised when women commit crimes. Especially murder, I think there's still that element of shock and surprise and clutch pearls that a, a woman might commit commit crimes like this. But I just think you look at the world the way it is and you don't appreciate that women
6: could be that angry deep down inside. You've never really known a woman. And it's astonishing that women aren't that angry all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so with all of that in mind. For me, reading it, I mean, I, I love this piece, but it absolutely feels like it should be the start of something bigger. Is is this something that you are you intending on writing a larger story or do you feel you've said all you need to say here in the kind of unrealised threat sort of way?
6: Well, I hadn't thought about doing more until obviously you mentioned it, but now I'm thinking about how I would make it work. I think for me, we know how it ends. A Greek god is going to return and enact divine retribution and she's going to tear the world apart disproportionately doing it. I think for me, the beginning of the story is the more interesting part. And if I was going mm. to expand on it, I would probably go back and I would explore Cynthia a little bit more and uh, and why she did what she did and, you know, the things that led to that yeah. and explore her as a character. I think that could be quite enjoyable as well. Yeah. And I'd probably do the bit that came afterwards as well because, you know. <laughs> It would be underway by then. I think it would be an There's nothing that you could do to stand in the way. But the interesting bit, I guess, would be what would she leave behind and what society would you remake Mm. afterwards? Yeah, yeah, And that could be quite fun in a sort of 80s, 90s science fiction world building way to do.
0: Yeah, it kind of gives me a little bit of vibes of the power.
6: It's oh, a lovely thing to be compared to. <laughs> is there anything else that you, you have coming up that you'd like to plug or talk about? Yep, I've got some short stories coming out in a variety of different anthologies and I'm going to have to remember them. <laughs> Two of them are in anthologies from Cemetery Gates Publishing. One of them is in Campfire Macabre, which is a series of horror flash fiction pieces Um, based on classic horror themes so I've got a short story in that called Fruiting Bodies about the Scottish landscape and folklore and the people that live in it and terrible terrible things that happen to them because that's what I always seem to write about (laughs) Um, and another one called Memento Mori in an untitled anthology from the same publisher. I've got a short story coming out with a publisher that I'm not allowed to talk about yet but but I'm very excited and I'll be putting that all over Twitter when I'm finally allowed to talk about it and I've got a short story called Gallagate Blues about cyberpunk Glasgow Mm -hmm. coming out in an anthology of sort of hopeful cyberpunk stories, which was um, started during the pandemic to try and write about some more hopeful features. Cyberpunk is a hopeful future. Yes, a whole whole anthology of hopeful cyberpunk
0: stories. So we'll see how that comes out. So you mentioned your Twitter. For those who haven't heard your previous interview, could you please remind us of what that is? Yes, it's at squinty witch,
6: which is all one word. And spelt exactly the way you would expect
0: (laughs) i love that as a name that's brilliant cool thank
6: you so much jude not at all thank you very much for having me
0: thank you so much to jude annabelle anna anthony kate and nicholas for their work on a silver bow new bent and all our creatives involved in this season thanks to you for listening and we'll be back again next week with some festive treats on christmas eve for our season finale see you then The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Foils Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. Play edits by Howard Sinden and Anna Rodriguez. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram where we've been tagging this week's creatives so you can find out more about them and their work. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a donation on coffee.com forward slash raggedfoils. All donations will go back into making the podcast as best we can. Tell your friends about us so more people can enjoy and celebrate audio plays and we'll see you next week.